Hey, I'm glad you're here. My name is Dale. You can tell I'm not Farrell. Much better looking than him. You don't need to laugh at that. Uh, I've been, I'm, I feel like I'm part of the Bridge family. I've been here a lot of times, and so a lot of you I've, I know, and um, I, I'm, I apologize if it took you by surprise if you brought your friend with you today, hoping to hear Pastor Farrell, and um, he's not here. And um, I'm, I'm a little bit, it's, it's a little bit odd to tell you why he's not here. Um, my name is Dale. I'm the pastor of Stanley Chapel Church in Sanford, North Carolina. And we're good friends, me and Pastor Farrell, when we swap pulpits. And so, um, and, and we're, we're good friends. But those of you, how many of you know Pastor Farrell? Hold your hands up. You know, you know him personally. You got to, yeah, he, if he had bird brains, he'd fly backwards. <laughs> Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Right? So Valentine's is kind of a tough time for a guy like him, you understand? And it's Valentine's, and I, I told him, I said, don't do anything stupid. And he, he said, I'm not, don't trust me, trust me. And, and Miss Millie, Miss Millie, she knows him very well, and she said, don't do anything stupid. In fact, let me just tell you, if you get a bad Valentine's Day gift this year, you won't see me for a week. And it scared him. So uh, he decided to jump the gun yesterday, and he went ahead and got the Valentine. I tried to coach him, he wouldn't take it and he got her a vacuum cleaner for valentine's day <laughs> sure enough he's not going to see her for a week but i think after a week it, the swelling will go down in his eye just enough he can see her a little bit out of his right side i believe i'm believing by faith that he'll be able to see her after a week and so so the staff got together and they said who can we get who can we get on on the subject of love and, and they voted to get the overweight lover, Heavy D. <laughs> Come on, where's my children of the 80s and 90s? Can I hear you right now? No, he's, uh, he had to be somewhere, so he asked me to come, and I've been looking forward to this, an exciting time, and you're in a series uh, that love is a verb, and, um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm not from 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to be talking on the subject of marriage, it is valid, who's already got your Valentine stuff picked out, done, whatever, you got it done, hold your hands up good and high, guys, you better raise your hand right now, right, you better, you say, I can't lie in church, you can right now, go ahead and lie in church. <laughs> Jesus told me to tell you to lie in church right now. Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and so I want to prepare you for that. And so as we get into this, I need a couple right here. You two a couple? Are y'all a couple? Y'all together? She's sitting there like, nah, I ain't with him, you know, right? <laughs> come on, can I get you to come up here if you don't mind just for a quick second? If you don't mind, come on. I'm not going to bash you. Come on, y'all got to give him some encouragement right up here. Come on. Come on up here. So, so, so here's the deal. We're going to talk about this. When you get into marriage, when you're thinking about marriage, when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about this whole deal, this is how we approach it. Now, what's your name? Kevin. Kevin? Donovan. Donovan. Nice to meet you. And you are? Holly. Holly. Are you a Donovan? Or are y'all? Okay, I didn't know how this worked out, all right? Because you didn't, you didn't look confident when I said, are y'all a couple, all right? So uh, that's good. So you've been, how long have you been coming to the bridge? Uh, four years. Four years? Yeah. Honestly, don't I look better than Pastor Farrell? From a distance. <laughs> I got that close-up look, you know what I'm saying, that far-away look, rather. So here we go. Whenever you're thinking about marriage, this is going to be yours because you're pink. Well, that's the way we roll around here, all right? So you're going to be the blue one. All right, now here's the deal. Whenever you approach marriage, whenever you come into the marriage, y'all met. Where, how did you guys meet? Where did y'all meet at? School. So you were going to get that wrong. You better be glad. That's the way to hang back. Y'all, first lesson in marriage, hang back, let her answer first. All right, there you go. How long have you been married? 
Almost. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's good. That's good. So they met at the school. All right, so now you got together, and y'all started dating a little bit first, right? So, so let's just come on this way. Come on to the table here, and just take your suitcase and lay it right here on each side. One of you put on one side. One of you put on the other side. Just, yeah, you can just lay it right up here. And let's begin to open it up. And so whenever you approach marriage, whenever you're single and you start thinking about marriage, open it up so the crowd can see it. Let's turn it around. Yeah, let's turn it around this way. You, you, you come to this relationship with all these dreams and aspirations and, and, and things that you, that you want to have happen. And so, so, so you, you, you start dreaming together and you got this little hope chest. Did y'all start talk, did y'all talk about marriage before y'all got married? Like when we were married, it's going to be like this. And, when, and it's just like that now, right? Yeah, so, so, so here, here you come to the marriage, you're thinking, my mama likes to cook, you know, right? And that's a woman's job. H- how am I doing so far? <laughs> Ain't this good preaching? Ain't this good preaching? So, so we're going to dream about her being a kid. And she's thinking, you know, open up yours right here. And she's thinking, he's going to be romantic, and he's going to have all the valentine. Did you raise your hand a while ago that you got it picked out? I already got it done. Just making sure. You, did you lie? Okay, good. that's two lies right here in church today. So he, he's going to be a romantic, and he's going to have all this stuff, and she's going to love the fact that I like to sit on the couch all day Saturday and Sunday because she knows I need my time, you know what I'm saying, to watch football. And she's going to be a Christian, a state fan. Oh, all the Jesus people. Don't be up here. Don't, don't, uh, and he's going to get me one of these houses because I've been reading Southern Magazine for all this time. And we're going to do this. And see, here's the deal. And we're going to have these children. But she says, I ain't cooking. And he's like, that's okay because I'm going to go cooking. You know, I can, I can deal with that. So we'll take this one out of here. And we're going to have two kids after, we're going to have 2.4 kids after five years. We're going to do the five-year plan, right? We got it all figured out. We're going to have kids. Hey, and I don't really know how to say this, but I got to represent the men, the teenage men up in the house. Don't leave me hanging. I know this is a hole in this church, but it's Valentine's Day, and the bridge, we are real. Can we be real? So I didn't know how to get into this without getting offensive. But let me just say it this way. There are certain things that a man does not dream that his wife is wearing to bed. Come on, men. Come on. Don't act too holy right now. Yeah. Don't, don't get too excited, though, brother. Don't get too excited. Don't get. I think he just started speaking in tongues right here, right? He just felt the Holy Spirit come all over him right here. And so there's certain things that we do not dream about, and there's certain things we do dream. So we got all this, we got all this coming in together, and we're gonna we're gonna have a happy marriage. We don't get everything in here like she don't want to clean, she don't want to cook, but she's gonna love the fact that I have a race car, and she might even get a waitressing job to help me rebuild it on the weekends. You know, right? And 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 he's gonna make a pile of these. You know what I'm saying? The Benjamins are gonna come in. I'm driving the. I'm driving. What's your what's your dream car? You don't know one? A four-wheel drive truck? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, whatever he's going he's gonna to have. He's going to have all this money coming in, and we're going to have this thing. Here's the problem with it. Look right here on the screen. Here's the problem with it. Every one of these dreams, here's what it has in common. Watch it. It's going to come right here. Do you know what every one of these desires have in common? The letter Y. See, we can't help that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not that anything's wrong with you. What else are you going to do? How else can you come into a marriage thinking about anything but me and what I want and what my desire is and my self-centered desires, there's nothing. How can you build a dream around what somebody else wants? But we just need to acknowledge 
that when we come to this dream table, we build this hope chest, we are coming with a little bit of a self-centeredness. And, and it sounds good whenever we talk about it, but most of those dreams come, come to us. So let's go, y'all reverse, come around the other side of the table. Yeah, that means this side of the table. I know you're a little confused. You're all right, you're good, you're good. So, so you come into this marriage, and now we've got the, we got the preacher here, we got the flowers here, we got the, we got the music playing, we got everything dreaming that's going to happen, and you guys come down the aisle and just kind of put your hand on that hope chest right here. This is, this is what you got, and so here's, here's what we're doing. We're saying by the power of it. See, y'all are thinking, would a preacher ever hush? Would the song ever happen? Because, see, you're thinking, honeymoon. <laughs> Where's my man at over here? Amen. And you think that he's going to get to work on that dollar right there or whatever it is, right? And we got this thing. And something very insidious, very subtle, very subconscious happens. Somehow, I don't know if it happens at the altar or if it happens at the back or it happens within the first year of marriage. Something happens here where all of a sudden, and trust me, these came from Family Dollar. Don't get too nervous. <laughs> In fact, this is a good time right here in front of the church. You ever been in handcuffs before? <laughs> Just go ahead and confess. There's confession right here. Confession's good, and a lot, of, a lot of faiths have a lot of confession in them, so I just thought this would be good. There, that's gonna, so something very, is that too tight, man? I'm sorry about that. You all right? I've always wanted to be a police officer. So here we go. Ready? Something very insidious happens. Somehow or another, what we used to have fun dreaming about and hoping for has now become this expectation. And, and so here, here's, here's the way that, here's that way that looks. That, that, what, what we used to say, I hope one day, I hope we can, I hope whatever, we could dream about it. It now comes down to, <laughs> you're my wife. And that's what wives do. And you're my, and, and you're my husband. And you're supposed to be the provider of this house. That's what husbands do. Look at the other couples in our life. Look at, this is, this is what's supposed to happen at this point. We talked about this. I thought we had an agreement. I would not have walked down that aisle and said that. Big sentence, I do. Had I not known that you weren't going to do. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But when that transfer happens, something incredible happens. Look at this, ready? Here's what happens. When that transfer of events happens, it says, go right here to the next slide. Is it going to go to the next slide? Okay, here we go. The problem is when you handcuff your spouse to your desires, thus making them expectations, you have a debt-debtor relationship with no margin for expressing unconditional love. You see, what happens is the nature of the whole relationship changes. And now, no longer, how can I discover what you really want out of life? How can I make your dreams come true? It's now, you are expected, you are expected to do this. And when that happens, every Valentine's Day is stressful. Come on, somebody, amen, if you know what I'm talking about. Every, every night when we go to bed is stressful. Every time we bring home a paycheck, it's stressful. Because there is this sense, you owe me. And when we have that debt-debtor relationships, the romance and the intimacy begin to erode inside of the marriage. I'm describing somebody right now. Not this couple, but some of y'all. 
we start this covenant relationship that we entered into this marriage with now has become a contract. And this unconditional love has now become conditional, and then we get locked in this tension that seems impossible to solve, and then you start hearing things like, you're not meeting my needs anymore. You're not invested in this relationship. You're not making me happy anymore. And it's very toxic. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about, or does that only happen in Lee County? <laughs> hey, give these guys a hand. Let me see if I can get y'all released right here. There's a button somewhere. There you go. I tell you what, I'm going to let you do a bit of hero. Unlock your wife, man. Go ahead. This is your Valentine's Day right here. There you go. There's a, there's a button right there. If you can't do it, I'll help you because I'll be here all day. All right, go, go. you got it. Give them a, hey, thanks, guys. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Now, what would it be like if we could have this box without the handcuffs? What would it be like in your marriage if you could somehow get rid of the box but keep, I mean, get rid of the handcuffs, but keep the box so we could keep dreaming, just like you did when you were dating, but somehow not let the dream become this expectation. And so that's what I want to talk to you about. And if you're single, very single, way more single than you wanted to be on Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> preach, somebody say it. There you go, yeah. I want you to, I want you to understand, this is, this is probably one of the most helpful Helpful sermons you will ever get. I wish I'd have known this before we got married. This is going to be huge for you. You need to take notes. You need to pay attention to it. This is going to set you up for a happy life. Um, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, everything I'm going to say to you is going to, make, it's going to be very hard. Because honestly, I'm not telling you that you can't do this. Avoid the handcuffs without Jesus and having Jesus and believing in Jesus, I just don't know how to do that, okay? So I encourage you to listen to it. Maybe you'll find an answer. I, I just want to preach to Christian couples for a second, though. I want to preach to you today uh, to Christian couples, and I want to give you what the Bible says. And again, I wish I'd have known this, how to keep the expectation box empty while you fill the dream box and while you fill the things that are there. And, and here, here, that are there, the Bible answers it. And, and the question is answered in this, what does your spouse owe you? What do they really owe you? And here's the way the Bible answers it. Check out this next thing. The solution is, in a Christian marriage, the focus is not on what my spouse owes me, but on what I owe God. This is huge. It's huge. It's very subtle, you may say. You say, what's the difference? You're going to see the difference. It is huge in the motivation. It is huge in how you approach your spouse. It is huge in the way that you approach this marriage. Understanding this dynamic. A Christian marriage says, they owe me nothing. The issue is, what do I owe God for what he has done for me? And then when you decide, my spouse does not owe me candy for Valentine's. There's not an expectation of that. When you can really genuinely say that, then whenever you get the candy, there's a, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole different level. It's gone from expectation to now we can show unconditional love.
Now, where did I get that from? You say, it sounds good. It sounds deep. Where did you get it from? Well, there's one passage, and most of the times you ever heard me preach, and I've preached here several times, so I know most of, a lot of you have heard me preach. I have a lot of points and things like that. I don't have any of that today because I didn't want you to get lost in it. I only got one point, and I got one commitment I want you to make before you walk out of here. I only got one thing, and this is going to be for those with a healthy marriage, those for unhealthy marriage, those of you in a separation, those for you in a divorce, those of you who are single. I got one commitment for all of us. And, and I just want us to make that commitment. And I think it's going to be a game changer as I tell you why we're going to love. And, and it's throughout the Bible. The answer, the answer is in this one scripture. And it says, listen, the focus in a healthy marriage, watch this, the focus is on a healthy marriage. And this took me a long time to get. In fact, this is going to smack uh, some of you not going to sh- understand it. The focus of a healthy marriage is not focusing even on my spouse necessarily. You see, that's what a lot of people do, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I guess that's all you can do is to say, instead of this being a self-centered, a I, a I marriage, my wife's name's Melissa, she's here, this is going to be an M marriage. It's all going to be about Melissa. Happy wife makes a happy life, right? If you keep her happy, then, you know, whatever. Only thing, how many of you heard this? Only thing you got to know when you get married is yes, dear. Just say yes, dear, right? Can I just tell you, that don't work long. Come on, all the men said, nothing if you're smart. You said nothing if you're smart right now. <laughs> it, it just doesn't work to always say yes, dear. You, you, you have to, there, there has to be this third dynamic, not just me and you. There has to be this third, third dynamic going on inside of the marriage. And, and I want to look at a verse, and if you can get a grip of this verse, this, this, this principle, though, it not only works in a marriage, it works in a church as well. It'll work in a friendship. It'll work at your work. This principle will work with any time you're dealing with another person, whether it be the public or your kids or in marriage. If you would just get this one principle, it radiates through the whole Bible. But, but I'm going to give it to you in the context of a marriage. And, and, and here it is. It's from the Apostle Paul, and he makes this introductory statement before he makes it that people... People skip over. We, we go straight to the other part. We miss this part, but this is the introductory statement to everything he's about to say. Here's what he says. Ready? In Ephesians, he says what? Some, some of you ladies are already scared. You're like, I ain't saying that word. Just trust me. Hang with me. Hang with me. All right, ready? It says what? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is submit. Not wives just submit to husband. He'll say that in a minute. But he says what? Submit to what? Come under, come, come, says, I'll take your desires and make your desires a priority over my desires. That's what the word submit means. I will take your desires and make those a priority over my desires. I'll make your dreams, your wishes, your things that you put in this. I'll make them a priority over my things that I'm going to put into this box. I, I'm, I'm placing you. And then the kicker to that verse is not, is he don't say commit to what, submit to one another out of love for one another. See, that's what you would expect me to say. He didn't say submit to one another out of love for one another. The kicker, he expects, you don't expect him to say it. He says submit to one another out of what? Out of reverence for, not reverence for Melissa, not reverence for Dale, but I'm submitting to her out of reverence for who? Very important. Very important that you don't miss that. If you're not a Christian, then that's all you're left with is to submit to each other out of reverence for each other. Well, I'm just going to be respectful to her, and that's what she wants, and I'm just going to do that. No, 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 no. You see, that plays out. And everybody who's been married more than a week said amen to that, right? That plays out. So there has to be this. You have to dig a little deeper. How are we going to do that? Out of reverence for Christ, out of reverence for Jesus. That means reverence means to have this, ah. 
this respect, this, uh, this, this man, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm under, I'm, I'm just so reverent to you. It's, in other words, because Jesus, you have died for me, and you have died on the cross, and you resurrected in three days, and you canceled hell for me. Out of reverence for you, I'll submit to other people. So, so let me just tease this out for a minute before I go on, because this is the whole thing it's built upon, and I don't want you to miss it. It kind of like goes like this, that I have a conversation with, Del, with, with God, and I say, God, I'm just, I'm so grateful, thank you that you forgave me, and, and thank you that you, you know, I used to be a jerk, and I'm still a jerk, but I'm not as much of a jerk as I used to be, God. Because now you're changing me on the inside, and you, you've not given me what I deserve. What I deserve is hell. What I deserve is for you to let my wife leave me. What I deserve is for my kids to hate me. What I deserve is to go straight to hell for the things I've done. But you've given me grace, and you've given me mercy, and you've given me health, and you died on a cross for my sins. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I just want to show gratitude to you, Lord. I want to come to worship, and I want to raise my hands, and I want to, I want to what, what can I do, God? What can I do to show you how grateful I am for what you've done for me? And God says, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I love you. And God says, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take all that passion and all that gratitude and all that zeal that you have, and I just want you to dump it on Melissa. No, okay, God, here, here's the deal, ready? This is between you and I. She ain't got nothing to do with this. This is between me and you. I, I'm talking about you did something for me. Melissa ain't done nothing for me. She ain't, she ain't doing all this stuff right. So I'm talking about you. What can I do for you? Because you saved me. And God said, I heard you. I heard you. I want you to take all that emotion, all that gratitude, and I want you to channel that onto Melissa. Well, well, um, really? <laughs> Got anything else? Can I give 11%? <clears throat> you know, need anybody go to mission field? You know, anything, anybody? I'll keep nursery. You want me to keep nursery? That's a big sacrifice to love. Nope. Come on, God, you're saying I can't have a lousy marriage and get, like, something going on with you? Nope, I'm telling you, I don't even hear your prayers. I don't even want to hear what you got to say. I don't even want to hear your prayers. If you're wanting to bless me, if you're wanting to, to, to do something for me, that's really great. Here's what I'm telling you to do. I want you to take, I want you to submit to her and put her first not because she's the earned it not because she deserves it because you know why because i did what i did for you because you didn't earn it and you didn't deserve it either you know you, you know how you and i have this not this like debt-free relationship where you don't owe me anything yeah god that's one of the things i love about you is that your grace is so good you saved me and you don't i don't have to cut myself to repentance and i don't have to say any Hail Marys, I don't, have to, I don't have to do any of that, I can just be forgiven just like that, and I don't have a debt to pay to you, and God says, good, I want you to take that same debt-free relationship and unhandcuff your wife and tell her she owes you nothing. I just want you to love her the way I've loved you. And then in return, it's vice versa. I want her to do the same out of reverence for each other. 
How many of you tracked with me so far? Hold your hands up good and high. You got it? Now, now he's going to get real specific, real specific here as he breaks it down because some of us are, are very hard. Let's go to the next one. He goes on. He says here, verse 22, here's the part. He says, wives, Kind of scared to say that in this culture. Is it all right to say it? Why don't y'all say it, women? Just, I ain't saying it. I'm going to be like one person. Ready? Here we go. Ready? Just try it. Wives. Submit. Come on. Look at it. Just high five the woman beside of you. Say, we did it. We did it. There you go. Submit. Now, let me just pause just a second. It's really, he tells wives to submit, and he tells husbands to love. Now, let me just tell you, we just read a verse where he said submit to one another, and there's bunches of verses that he says love everybody. So why did he have to reiterate it for women to submit and men to love? Evidently, he must know <laughs> that given the nature of our genders, that women would find a hard time submitting. They're all about burning their bras and marching somewhere. <laughs> Come on, y'all know I'm preaching right now, right? And why did he tell men to love? Because they know we are. See, see, guys don't have trouble submitting. You can pick out our clothes. We're fine. That's why when we say, where y'all want to go eat? You're like, we don't care. We don't care. Just make the decision because you're going to complain about it anyway. <laughs> what are we going to do about Johnny's school? I don't know. You handle that. I got to go to the shop. You know what I'm saying? Working on this car I'm building, right? We're fine to submit. We're fine when you make a decision. But, but guys, we have trouble loving and laying down ourselves. So he says, women, y'all going to need to work on that submission because that's going to be hard for you to submit one another. And, and men, you're going to gonna have to work on that loving thing because that's going to be hard for you. So, so he says right here, he says, wives, submit to your husband. Why would we want to do that? You know, why? Because they're great? No. Because submit to your husbands because they earned it? No. Because submit to your husbands because they're worth submitting to? No. Commit, submit to your husbands because they can be trusted and they'll never hurt you with that submission? <laughs> As if. Submit to your husbands because they're never going to take advantage of your submission? No. He's consistent. Same thing he said before. Submit to your husbands as you do to what? So, so you, you know, you know how to submit. God's like, you know how to submit to me, right, honey? And you're like, yes, I do. Well, you, it's more like, yes, I do. You know, right? Yes, I do, God. I know how to submit to you. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. You know, right? You got it going on. You got it going on. And he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take all that energy that you've got towards me, and I want you to channel it to your husband. And you're like, are you paying attention to my husband, God? I believe that boy licked paint chips growing up. <clears throat> and God's like, it's not about him. It's about reverence to me. Love him. <laughs> Somebody's over there about to have a cow over there. <laughs> Love him the way I have loved you. Why? Look at the next verse, verse 23. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in what? Then he turns to the husband, and he says, he says, husbands, love your wives. Why? Because they deserve it? No, he's consistent. Look at the next passage. He says, for a husband, look at the next passage, I'm sorry. He says, husbands, love your wives. Why? Because they deserve it? No, just as, he's consistent all the way through. The reason he tells you to submit, the reason he tells you to love, it's the same thing. Just as Christ loved the church, now who's the church? 
Is that the building? Who's the church? Look at the person beside of you. Say, you are, I am, right? Anybody who's a Christian's the church. He said, just as Christ loved you, in other words, same dynamic that's going on in, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only breath. So God loved you, he loved you, the church, and gave himself up for her. Guys, he says, not, it's not about how lovable she is. It's not about whether she's earned it or not. You, you, rever- See, here's the thing. If you're, rever- if, you're reverent, if, if you're reverent to her, if you're loving her, if you submit to him based on, and this is why some of you right now have got problems in your marriage, you submitted to him early on in your marriage. You loved her when you were dating, but watch this. Now you don't feel like he's the man that is worthy of your submission. You don't feel like she's the woman worthy of your love because she didn't keep the agreement. And you feel like somehow now you're off the hook on that. And he says, I just want to take this out of that realm altogether. I want you to love her because I've loved you. And I want you to love her in the same way that I've loved you. Specifically, how you have laid down your life for her. Now, you, you know what that means, right? To lay down, you're willing to lay down your life for her. And you're like, yeah, I know what that means. Somebody break into my house, buddy. I got a nine millimeter, right? I'm going to blow it. You know, right? If I see her getting ready to get run over by a bus, I'll push her out of the way and I'll stand there and do it myself. You know, right? You got this. He, see, here's, watch this, guys. Let me tell you about us. Ever since we were in the third grade, we've been envisioning ourselves throwing that quarter, that touchdown pass, and her being on the bleacher going, We're, we're waiting for those heroic moments where we can show her we really are Batman or Superman or whatever. Listen, so, so, so you're waiting on that time to die for her. I, I, yeah, I'd take a bullet for her if I had to. I don't like her, but I'll take a bullet for her. <laughs> no, lay it, you see, it's like this, like, honey, I'll take a bullet for you, but if you touch this remote, I'll break your hand. You're like, how did he know? Does he live with us? You know, right? <laughs> Listen, we're, we're willing to lay down our life. That means lay down our gadgets. Come on. Lay down the Xbox control. Somebody's like, that's heresy. That ain't even a God right there, right? We'll lay down our plans. We'll lay down our schedules. We'll lay down our business on her behalf to make her know she is a priority in our life. That's what it means to lay down our life. Why? Because she deserves it. Maybe she does, maybe she don't. I don't know. I don't know your situation. The reason why is because 2,000 years ago, when God decided that you did not, he did not want to spend eternity without you with him. 2,000 years ago, when he decided he didn't want you to go to hell, he interrupted his plans, he interrupted his comfort, and he laid down his life on the cross of Calvary for you and I. That deserves a better hand clap, mind you. That's the gospel right there. That you don't have to go to hell. Your debt has been paid, and he laid down his life on your behalf. And out of that gratitude, you say, God, how do I say thanks? And he says, here's how you can say thanks. Lay down your life for your spouse the best demonstration of gratitude you can possibly have 
is to take this debt-free relationship that you and I have and pour it onto her. And you're saying, God, you're asking a lot. You're asking a lot. But as a Christian, listen, watch this, watch this. As a Christian, we don't love our wives in the shadow of our desires. We love our wives in the shadow of the cross. That was good and tweetable. As, as a believer, you don't love your husband in the shadow of your desires and how good he is meeting your expectations, how high he jumps when you say jump. You don't love your husband how good he does on Valentine. You don't love your husband in the shadow of your desires. You love him in the shadow of the cross. Not what he has done for you, but what your heavenly father has done for you. Um, now, I, if, you did, if, you, if you'd like to say thank you to God, that's how you say thank you to God. It's not with gushy feelings. It's not just coming to worship, and although I'm all about that, I had my hands raised, I was worshiping. It's not just about raising your hands and worship to God. It's not just about that spontaneous thing. It's about making a decision that I'm channeling all my love to her, to him. And then here, here's what he says, and we're going to wind it down. Here, here we go, ready? He says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the wash. This is real, this is a lot of theology. And he goes on to give more. I wish I had time to preach the whole verse, but I knew I didn't. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Let me just kind of summarize that in very small terms, and I, I, there's a lot there that I could go through, but I don't, I don't have the time to do that. But it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of what God intended his relationship like with a man and wife to be with the church. Because, see, there's only two institutions God ever really created. That was the family, and then he created the church. And so they run very similar to each other in the way that they operate, in the way that they, they, they function. And so it's a very beautiful thing. But let me just sum that up. What he's saying is, just as Christ gave himself his life to make our life better. Watch this, men. Because he's talking to men. You are to lay down your desires, to lay down your wishes and your dreams to make your wife life better. So as, as, she, as she elevates and contrasts, as Melissa elevates and contrasts her life before Dale, BD and PD, post Dale, as she... As she evaluates that, she should be able to say, don't answer it, honey, because I don't want to know the answer right now. That, man, I had a good life before, but now my life is so much better. I, I had a good thing going on before, but now since I have met him, now he, I have never felt more accepted. I have never felt more honored. I have never felt more valued. I have never felt more loved than now. That's what this means. Just as Jesus made your life better. How many of you say when you came to Jesus, he made your life better? Hold your hands up good and high. Then whenever your spouse encounters you, then you should be able to make her or, or him, his life better but he's talking context to men to women. You should make her life better. This is so important, and I just have to tell you that I am still trying to get my hands around all of this. I don't fully understand all of this, um, and and I'm, I'm this is a this is a, a a truth that I think I missed for a long time, and um, this is a truth that I'm still trying to figure it out. 
But do you know why God designed marriage like this? In fact, the, the, you know, you know why he designed marriage like this? Because God designed marriage. Let's, I'm just going to use my situation. He designed marriage like this because he loves Melissa Sauls so much that he wanted her to know it in a very tangible way. Not just be that invisible God that she would just be riding down the road one day listening to K-Love and be like, oh, that song came on and then I saw a cloud and it looked like a cross and I just knew God loved me. Okay, that, I don't want to minimize that. That's great. That's wonderful. But God said, I don't want to be just way off in the sky somewhere, intangible, big old God that you can't even see. You know, I wanted to create this marriage. And the Bible says, he goes on in Ephesians, and he says, there's a mystery to marriage. And all the married people said, yeah, it's a mystery, all right, ain't it? Not that kind of mystery. It's a mystery to marriage, and it's hard to explain, but he says, listen, I want Melissa to know my presence in her life so much that I am putting Dale Sauls there as my ambassador, as my representative to wake up beside her every day and to go to bed with her every night and every day, I want Dale to be my conduit of love to Melissa. Let that just sink in for a second. And vice versa, God wanted Dale. He loved me so much, he gave me Melissa as his representative in our marriage to show me how much he loves me. And so every time, every time she cleans or cooks or whatever, then this is the idea, I love you, Dale. And I wanted to put somebody in your life to show you and what's sad, as a pastor, it's a huge responsibility. Can, I, can anybody say amen to that? This takes marriage to an HNL, a holy another level. This takes it to a different level. This, is, this, this means that I'm God's representative. And that's why, that's why the Bible says that men, if you don't treat your wives right, he won't even hear your prayers. Why? Because you're failing your job. You're his ambassador, and you're not stepping up to that. And it disappoints him so much whenever we don't take that seriously. And some of you say, Dale, I ain't doing that. I hear you. You're a nice guy, and you're funny, but I ain't doing that. I hear you. But let's turn it around just a second. Wouldn't you like it? Can I just, let me time out just a second. Let me tell you, ladies, about men. If your man knew what I was preaching today, he would not have come to church. Okay, so don't post it and tweet it until after the second service, all right? Help the girls out in the next service. Because, see, here's the way men are. Men think about marriage like you think about your car, okay? You just want it to work. You don't want to know nothing about it. You just want it to work. And that's why your husband gets in the car. He's like, hush, hush, turn the radio down. Kids, be quiet. Y'all hear that? You're like, nah, something's knocking. Can we turn the radio on? Nope, I got to hear it some more. Let's talk about it for a minute. I think it, you think it could be this. You can't, you're like, just turn the radio on. Okay, see, that's the way guys think about marriage. You're like, did you catch what you did yesterday? Nope. Can we watch the game? 
We just want it to work. Okay, that's it. We just want it to work. We just want. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to. We don't. We just want to work. Now, here's the deal. And I, I got sidetracked there. But listen, guys, if you could flip this around just for a second, you're like, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. If I could tell you, bring your wife to church, and I'm gonna talk her into releasing you from these handcuffs. You're gonna be like, Oh, come on with it, preacher man. I love church. Come on, baby. I don't want to have a fight every time. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be fussing over this football. I don't want this to release me, baby, and pour the love on me. But you know you ain't deserving. You, you think you're more deserving than she is, and you think you're more deserving than he is. But let me just go ahead and tell you what I know about your marriage. There ain't none of y'all deserving. This ain't about deserving. If you would like that for her to do that how much more why wouldn't you want him to do that and vice versa why wouldn't you want this going both ways you see when both of you can release the handcuffs and say i'm doing this as to the lord all of a sudden now you can keep this box empty and now we can show unconditional love check out this last statement here's the commitment i want you to make ready today's commitment it is not about me and you it is all about what god has done for me here's the commitment i'm dis i'm going to display my gratitude to god by being his expression of unconditional love to you when both of you do that no longer is that a contract and listen for those of you who have already gone to see the lawyer this is god's will for the your current marriage some of you are already making plans of leaving. This is God's will for your current marriage. You will never experience unconditional love until you do this. Because every time he does something, every time she does something, she's just meeting your expectations. She's just fulfilling your obligations. He's just jumping. when you, He's just doing what he ought to do. He's not doing anything extra, no special. And until you can say, you don't owe me, I'm just going to love you anyway. You don't owe me, I'm just going to love you anyway. Like Christ has loved me. I've decided my first ministry is at home. And I'm not going to love Bridge Kids and Parking Team and music and whatever you may. I'm not going to love missions. I'm not gonna, more than I love you. My first job is to be God's ambassador in this home. Now I realize every situation is different. Some of you right now, you're afraid to make eye contact. You're sitting there and you're like, I don't even want to look at her. I'm not even looking at him. I could crawl through the floor right now. I get that. Some of you are sitting there saying, I can't wait to get in the car to talk about this on the way home. And your husband's like, I'm walking home. Some of you, your spouse isn't here right now, and you're just dying on the inside while everybody's laughing, and you just feel like, man. But you know what God says to do with an unbelieving spouse? This. Be his con. God may get your spouse saved if you will do this. Just be his conduit of love to your spouse. You say, I'm trying. I know. And don't get weary and well doing, Galatia says. 
Some of you have been doing this for years, and you just want to stand up and yell, praise the Lord. That's exactly right, young couples. That's how you stay together right there. That's it. You've been doing this for a long time. You, you, know, the, you know God's word works. Here's what I'm telling you. If you will follow God's principles, you will give him an invitation into your marriage. And some of you have been praying for God to get involved in your marriage. Can I be honest with you? It's kind of like people praying that God's going to bless them financially, but they're not tithing. If you want God to bless you financially, you have to tithe. You have to step into obedience towards him. If you want God to bless your marriage, you're going to have to step towards him and do what he's telling you to do. You've been praying God to change him. What you need to do is release him. You've been praying God needs to change her. You need to, re you need to release her and then let God begin to change them. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing a song in just a second. And um, can we do this at our church sometimes? We call it the non-judgment zone. Can we do that right now? Can we have a non-judgment ending to this service? Is that okay right there? And, and what I want to do, in fact, I'm going to ask some of you mature couples that are really, y'all got a good marriage to go first on this so that it will break the ice for those that are nervous about it. We're going to sing a song in just a second. Don't do it now. I'm going to release you in a minute. And up here at this altar, there are baskets. And inside of those baskets are nails, little nails. Okay? I'm going to carry this. This is what our church is doing. We're, you see, this is the why. I told you the sermon is why you've got to love. This is the why. This is going to be hard to do. But I want you to come up here, and I want you to get a nail in a minute. And I want you to put this nail at a place to remind you of this message that you've made a commitment, I'm going to be an expression of God's love to you. And the, when he, he stops, he's not got a job, and he don't care about kids, and he's not going to have, you touch this nail, and remember, you're doing this not because of what he does or don't do, whether he deserves it or not. You're doing this based on what's been done for you. You're doing this in the shadow of the cross, not the shadow of his or her worthiness. Singles, I want you to come get this nail to remind yourself of why you're not giving your love away prematurely. Why you're not giving away your innocence, but you're going to do this God's way because he's been so good to you and he saved you and he canceled hell. I want you teenagers, you young adults, you singles to get a nail and remind you of why you've got to honor God in your singleness. Those of you who are married to somebody that's an unbeliever, you come get a nail. Those of you who are marriages on rocks, in fact, right now, if you've been having a fight this morning, let me help you boys. Take her by the hand and bring her to the altar and y'all get a nail together. It'll be a happy Valentine's. But you do this. How many of you understand it? You understand the message? You understand what I'm asking you to do? So I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And then they're going to sing this song. And I want you just as soon as they start singing. You, some of you couples that have been together for a long time, y'all lead the way so that nobody don't see. The, nobody needs to be hanging back like, mm -hmm, I knew they had trouble. Look at them. They're going through the altar right now. No, 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 no. We ain't that kind of church. Come on, somebody. We ain't that kind of church. No judgment zone. Amen?
In fact, I'll go and tell you, I'm preaching this, but I ain't got it down. My wife could say, no, he ain't got it down. He needs to keep that nail with him all the time. And she's right, too. No judgment zone. No judgment zone. Father, I pray for everybody in this place right now. There's some heartbreak stories. I've heard them all. Nobody, nobody calls the church and says, Pastor, can we talk to you? And then says, everything's great. No, they always call to tell us bad stuff. I've heard every possible story almost. some real difficult situations here but thank you for putting it in the context and it trumps everybody's story of how much you love us and we do this in reverence to you and I pray this little see your your word always has symbolisms baptism is a symbolism communion is a symbolism anointing somebody is a symbolism we're getting this nail as a symbolism to remind us of a truth we're going to carry it, thanking you for what you've done for us. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, during this song, say, God, I'm placing my faith in you from this point forward. In fact, right now, heads bowed, eyes closed. How many of you say, that? I'm not sure I'm saved, but today I want to be. When I heard about what Jesus did on the cross, I want to know I'm saved. Hold your hands up good and high. Good and high. I see your hands. Yes, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Just pray this prayer with me right now. Say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. As I get this nail today, I'm placing my faith in you. And from this point forward, I'm going to be a Christian in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing and come get your nail.